I want to know more about walking in the Spirit. What is it really like in practice? Day-to-day -day living in the ups and downs of life, what does it feel like? How do you experience it? How do you go about it? How do you walk in the Spirit? The way I have been going about this study may not be exactly what you're used to. Instead of going through the passage systematically, verse by verse, I have been picking out key concepts. Difficult and in some places you could go, they would be considered controversial ideas. Freedom in Christ, living by faith, the flesh, the leading of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. They're difficult ideas to get your head around, and I wouldn't be surprised if you've gone home these past Sunday mornings with unanswered questions. I know that can be very frustrating, and I want to encourage you to be patient, because hopefully when we get to the end, the questions will be answered. We're learning from Galatians 5 about godliness, how to be godly men and women. It begins with freedom. Christian, you are free. Free as a bird. Free from condemnation. Free from the power of sin. Free from the power of the devil and the world over you. Free from care. Free from having to keep laws, rules and regulations. Freedom. That is the place to begin. Begin with your blood-bought freedom in Jesus. Learn to rejoice in it, to glory in it, Magnify the Lord with thanksgiving for it, and do not give it up for anything. It is way, way too precious. But then, there is a problem right away with that idea. I'm free from having to keep the law, but I'd be blowed if I still don't want to keep it anyway. I love God's law. I love all of God's law. My heart longs for righteousness. God has gone and written his law in my heart. Well, what am I to do now? Does that mean that I now make myself a slave to the law once more? Start living by those same rules again? Start agonizing over them and striving to keep them? No way, Paul tells us. Instead of becoming a slave to the law, I now live by faith. He says here, we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. That means living like the things that God has promised and the things that God has told us are absolutely true, certain, sure, rock solid, dependable. Now I find that the more I live by faith, the more loving I become. And the more loving I become the more that desire after righteousness is satisfied because love fulfills the law and glorifies God. So the result is that I grow in righteousness, but it's not slavish obedience to rules. It's free and joyful and living by faith is the key to it. Well, 
that would all be just fine and dandy if it wasn't for the flesh. That lump of meat you live in with its thoughts and desires and habits and ways of doing things that are tainted with sin, and as Paul puts it here, the flesh wages war against the spirit. That's a battle every Christian has on his or her hands. But then, how are you going to deal with the flesh? The way you deal with the flesh is still not to make rules to keep it under control. That would be the answer a lot of people would give you. You have got to make rules to keep that flesh in its place. No, we don't do that. Instead, we crucify the flesh. Actually, we ought to have done that already. We have made up our minds to consider it to be dead as far as we are concerned. And having crucified the flesh, then we walk in the Spirit. And walking in the Spirit, that's not about keeping rules either. It's about relationship. It's about being closely in tune with God's Spirit. It's about being aware of and sensitive to the Spirit's leading. It's about being tuned into the godly desires that God's Holy Spirit puts within us. It's about joyfully responding to Him. It's about following His leading. That's how we avoid fulfilling the desires of the flesh, living by faith and walking in the Spirit. Those are the key ideas. You've really got to get to grips with those two ideas. You will find it worth the effort. Living by faith, I think we've been able to define fairly clearly. It is living like the things that God has promised and the things that God has said are absolutely true, certain, rock-solid, dependable. But walking in the Spirit, following the leading of the Spirit, well, I don't really think we've got that one entirely sorted yet. So far we've said it's about relationship, it's about being closely in tune with God's Spirit, It's about being aware of and sensitive to the Spirit's leading. It's about being tuned in to the godly desires that the Spirit has put within us. And remember we said last week, that doesn't mean that it's entirely subjective. It's not simply about following feelings and inner desires, because following desires and feelings can lead you astray. You see, there are godly desires that the Spirit has put within you, and there are the desires that come from the flesh. And how do you know which is which? You could be following the wrong ones and ending up in the wrong place. Most of the time, actually, it's pretty obvious especially if you have been a Christian for a while. But you also have God's inspired word, the word inspired by the Holy Spirit as an external guide. It is a reference point. The way the Spirit leads, the desires the Holy Spirit puts within you will always be totally 100% consistent with what the Spirit has caused to be written. There will never be any conflict between the two. But you see, when you view the Bible in that way, the Bible is no longer a set of rules being imposed upon us. The Bible is there to warn us of danger as we go astray. And it also stirs up the good desires, the godly desires, the desires of the Spirit that we already have. So that what we find is that as we read our Bibles, our hearts say to us, yes, that's exactly what I want to do. 
And the result is happy, free obedience. That's where we have come to so far. But I want to know more about walking in the Spirit. What is it really like in practice? Day-to-day living in the ups and downs of life, what does it feel like? How do you experience it? How do you go about it? How do you walk in the Spirit? In verses 22 and 23, Paul tells us what happens when we walk in the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's a list of qualities of character. And those qualities of character are the fruit of walking in the Spirit. Now let me begin with two observations. First of all, when a tree produces fruit, well, it just happens. It doesn't have to do anything other than be a tree. A tree produces fruit because it's a healthy tree. If it didn't produce fruit, there would be something very badly wrong. You would say either this tree's dead or you would say there's something wrong with it. It's a very sick tree. And it's the same with a Christian who walks in the Spirit. Fruit happens. If it doesn't happen, there's something wrong. You either have a dead Christian on your hands or you have a very sick one. And actually, there's no such thing as a dead Christian. A dead Christian is no Christian at all. So if there's no fruit, you either have no Christian at all or you have a very sick Christian. Bear that in mind as we look at the fruit of the Spirit. I'll probably remind you of it from time to time. Fruit just happens. That's my first observation on these verses. Here's the second. This is not a command to be loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, and so on. Love, joy, peace, patience, all of those qualities of character are the fruit that grows when you walk in the Spirit. The Spirit produces it in you. Walking in the Spirit is what you have to do. You see, I've heard people preach this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, so you must be more loving. The fruit of the Spirit is joy, so you must be more joyful, and so on. That's wrong. It's wrong because it leads to another kind of legalism. The fruit of the Spirit then becomes an impossible burden. You must love all the time. You must be joyful. Be joyful or I'll send you to hell. It's ridiculous when you put it like that, isn't it? So that's my second observation on these verses. This is not a command, it's just a statement of fact. Fruit happens, it's a fact. If you're walking in the Spirit, fruit will grow. First on the list of what happens when you walk in the Spirit is love. You become a loving person. I spent some time thinking about love a few weeks back. But it's very important, so another bit of revision won't do any harm. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what love looks like. If you love someone, you will not be envious. You will not be out to make yourself look good. There will be no arrogance, no being opinionated, no I know best attitude. There will be no rudeness. There'd be no demanding attention or praise or gifts. Love thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. If you love someone, 
You will always think the best about that person. If there are two ways to take a thing, you'll see the person you love in the best possible light. You will bear all things. Love covers a multitude of sins. You put up with a lot. You will believe all things. You trust the people you love. And when things look bad, you'll not give up on someone you love because love endures all things. If you love someone, that's what it'll look like. Love is total selflessness. Love is, I am here for you. I am here to serve you. I am here to bless you. You come first, and it doesn't matter what it costs me. Paul also wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, in verse 3, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but if I have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, do you see what he's saying there? You could make great sacrifices, You could even sacrifice your life for others and still not love them. You could do it, you see, for the wrong reasons. So love is denying yourself for others, whatever the cost. It's desiring and working for their good, and it flows sincerely and freely and joyfully from the heart. Otherwise, it's not love at all. But again, keep this in mind too. This is important. Love comes from the heart. But love is not just a feeling. The desires of love, the feelings of love, arise from within the heart and then they begin to change attitudes and that shows in actions. It starts with a sincere heartfelt desire. And then it overflows in selfless attitudes and selfless actions. That's what happens when you walk in the Spirit. You find arising in your heart desires to do good for others, to the denial of yourself, and then you go and you do those things. Walking in the Spirit, the fruit is love. Now, actually, you can turn that around now and make it a test, can't you? If you walk in the Spirit, you will love. And if you do not love, you're not walking in the Spirit. And I think it's reasonable to say as well that the degree to which you love is a measure of how closely you're following the Spirit's leading. Isn't it? You will know you are walking in the Spirit when you feel love welling up within you and when you see it overflowing in selfless attitudes and loving actions. Let me say that again. You'll know you're walking in the Spirit when you feel love welling up within you and when you see it overflowing in selfless attitudes and loving actions. What is it like to walk in the Spirit then? What's it like in practice? Day by day living in the ups and downs, what does it feel like? How do you experience it? How do you go about it? Well, when you're led by the Spirit, love wells up within, overflows in loving attitudes, selfless actions. When you see that happening, you know you're on the right track. Keep going. And when it stops happening, you've taken a wrong turn somewhere, You need to back up. You're on the wrong road. When you stop loving, 
you're out of tune with the spirit. Somewhere along the way, the flesh has started to get the upper hand. And at that point, as soon as you're aware of it, when the unloving words come out, when the unloving attitudes well up, when the unloving actions are done, at that point, as soon as you become aware of it, getting it sorted out becomes the priority. That becomes number one. Just as soon as you can. That's the time you need to get away by yourself and get down and to pray and say, Lord, something is terribly wrong here. I have behaved, I have thought in an unloving way. Something is wrong. I'm not walking in the Spirit. I'm having unloving thoughts. I'm doing unloving things. Lord, forgive me. Somehow I have allowed the flesh to dupe me and I have given it the upper hand. I have used my freedom as an opportunity to indulge the flesh. Lord, show me where I've gone wrong. Maybe that's where you've got to get the Bible out. It's your reference point. Examine yourself in the light of it. Lord, where did I go off the track? Maybe it's where you need to ask advice from a trusted brother or sister, somebody who is wise and knowledgeable in God's word. Make it number one priority. And don't quit until again you feel love welling up for the very people you have been unloving towards. That's just part of what it is to be led by and to walk in the Spirit. Are you walking in the Spirit? First test, look at your relationships. Is love the word that springs to mind? Look into your heart. Is it full of love? Love for others? Love for God? Is it real love? Love that's not just a wishful thought or a feeling, but love that overflows in loving attitudes and selfless actions. Well, if it is, that's a good sign. You're walking in the Spirit. And if it's not, well, you know what you need to do. Let's pray. Lord, there's not one of us who is not conscious of unloving thoughts and unloving attitudes. The flesh wells up so easily and tricks us and dupes us and we follow it. Forgive us our Father and help us Lord to continue before you until we find welling up within our hearts loving desires, attitudes that overflow in loving behavior toward those around us, brothers and sisters in Christ, our neighbors, our friends, our families. And even to you, Lord, help us to love you more. For we pray in Jesus' name.